Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, it's a rainy Sunday morning, but we're inside where it's nice and warm and uh, have warm fellowship, and we're glad that you are here today. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet on each row. Uh, we'd like to ask if you would take that and fill it out. Put your name, address, phone number, email address, especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter. Put your email address on there, and uh, we'll get you on that list. It's a great way to keep up with the opportunities here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, check the appropriate box, and we would certainly appreciate that. Speaking of opportunities, uh, we have a lot of things that are going on uh, during this week and the next few weeks. Uh, Beginning with this evening, um, tonight, as most of you know, is Super Bowl Sunday. And so we are going to celebrate Super Bowl Sunday right here at Community Baptist Church. We'll have the game playing up here on the, the largest screen in town. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we, we can sit out here and watch the game. And uh, we just invite you to, to bring a snack if you would like. And so we'll do some tailgating. And also bring a can of soup. You'll notice in our... Our, uh, our bulletin that it says Super Bowl Sunday, S-O-U-P-E-R. Bring a can of soup, and, um, and we will donate that to uh, Henderson Christian Outreach uh, as, as, a, uh, as a good thing for them as well. So uh, come on out this evening. We'll have a great time. That will start about 5.30. I think kickoff time is somewhere around there. Next Sunday we'll be back to our volleyball schedule, and uh, we'll be playing next Sunday at 5 o'clock. And then coming up on February the 11th, we have our blood drive. And if you would like to, uh, to give blood or to volunteer for that, please see Jika, and she'll make an appointment for you there. 
And one other thing, thank you for everyone who uh, either prepared or served at the King's Kitchen. We began that ministry this past week, and um, uh, we did that on Tuesday afternoon and served over 50 homeless friends on the streets there. And uh, it was a wonderful time. We had a lot of good help, and we look forward to continuing that ministry in the months ahead. So thank you so much for that. Well done. Everybody did wonderful with that. So let us now stand and let's sing our song of gathering. The King is coming. Let's stand and sing. Let's pray together. Most holy God, we gather in your name this morning to bring you our prayers and petitions, to sing your praises, and to hear and study your word. We confess our sins and accept by faith your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for this Lord's Day, for bringing your people into a preview of your established kingdom. For, forgive, for giving us a foretaste of your glory. We know that we cannot truly comprehend the nature of your kingdom, but we know that it is wonderful and glorious beyond belief. <clears throat> Come quickly, Lord, and bring our redemption to completion. Free us once and for all from all the chains of, of sin. But as we wait, we are mindful of our responsibilities and duties here and now. You have not created us to be idle, but you have given us responsibilities over creation. Help us to be faithful to our task. We pray for our nation and her leaders, that they would follow after justice and righteousness. We pray for our nations and our state's economies, that you would minimize the suffering and raise up the church to, to deeds of faith and generosity. And we pray for your church, that in the goals and the objectives on which we focus, we would not lose focus on the primary proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Grant our leaders your wisdom and discernment, strength for the day and faith in times of trouble. And we pray for our sisters and brothers in Christ, that we would all grow into the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, doing good works to his glory. 
Will you join me in our responsive reading? We are gathered for worship. There is much to do in this world. For the hungry cry to be fed, the homeless to be housed. We live in the midst of a world in need of peace and a people in need of hope. We are gathered for worship. There is much to do in our lives. There are commitments to fulfill jobs to do. We must care for our children, our parents, our home. We are gathered for worship. The problems of the world call our energy and vision. In worship, we seek God's vision of hope and meet the Spirit who gives us strength. The demands of our lives call for patience and compassion. In worship, our spirits are renewed and our hearts are made wide by God's love. We have gathered for worship. Come, let us worship God in this hour, that we may live as God's people in days to come.
Our scripture today is from Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went to a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them and left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come on down, children. Miss Mary will be waiting for you. again. Let's try it again. Good morning. Okay, that's a little bit. All right. I know it's rainy outside. You're tired and sick. I know. Thanks, Sydney. Uh, thanks. Great. Thank you. <laughs> I, no, you don't have to stay up there. Anyway, uh, today's February 1st. Oh, it's my favorite month. Why it would be my favorite month. Yes, ma'am. Valentine's Day. Today's your dad's birthday? Oh, okay. It's in February. Okay. All right. Well, you know, why do you think that I... You did. Why would you think I love Valentine's Day? Oh, Sydney. Well, yes, both reasons. Whoever said chocolate back there, but Sydney said you share your love. Oh. All together now. You can, I'm just kidding you. You know that. We've got to have some fun. You know you can share love like this, right? And you know you can share love like this, right? Yes, ma'am. They did? So they somebody shared their love with them? Okay. And Zoe's not here today, and I hope Zoe would be here today, but that's okay because Zoe shared her love with us, and we decided to do her prayer every time we go up to children's worship, right? So that's what prayer we're going to do today when we get finished. Um, and do you remember, every we've talked over and over, when we moved to the blue room upstairs and we have the trees up there, and what do we put on those trees? Our families? Yes. Now, don't worry. If you haven't had a chance to fill out your card, you will, because we're going to show our love by doing some of this work for me today, okay? Uh, But look, whose card this is. We have some family trees. We try to hang a new one each Sunday, and who is that? Whose family is that? It's your sister's friend. Y'all better look closer to that. Thank 
thank you. It's Dr. Tim's family, yes. And that's why we do these cards. Does anybody remember his wife's name? Cindy was a great lady in our church. But Dr. Tim's wife, his name is Susan. But we have uh, Cindy's family up there in our tree, too, and we'll talk about that up there. His wife's name is Susan. How many kids does he have? Three, yes. And then who else lives with Dr. Tim and Susan? His mama, yes. Um, and does anybody remember the dog that comes, their grand dog? <laughs> they have a grand dog. And the dog's name is Loki? Is that how you all pronounce Loki. it? Loki. Loki. So that's all written on this card because I think it's kind of fun to know the people out here. So that's one thing we'll be working on. We'll be making more cards like this so we can get to know our families. But who was here? Let's see. You guys weren't here at 930. You didn't make Sunday school today. And that's okay because sometimes that happens, and especially on this kind of morning. But we're going to show our love to our Sunday school teachers today. Okay? And we've got something to do upstairs to show that love. And, and I can just talk for the ones I am with the most. Miss Lana is the Sunday school teacher for Miss Rachel was a Sunday school teacher, yes, and she fills in. Miss um, Sue Allen is a Sunday school teacher for a lot of kids here. Mr. Chris Hobgood is a Sunday school teacher for some of the older kids. Miss Jika back here is a Sunday school teacher. Uh, Miss Phyllis is a Sunday school teacher, and there's probably a lot of other people in here that have been Sunday school. I know Deacon fills in a lot. We have a lot of great people. Who? Oh, Bob, I'm so sorry. Bob Crafton teaches the men's class. Is that really what it is, Sunday school, up there? <laughs> anyway, listen to this about Sunday school teachers. Thank you, Sunday school teacher, for opening my eyes to the Bible and to Jesus, life's most precious prize. Thank you, special teacher, for opening my mind to God and the Holy Spirit and for answers you helped me find. Thank you, Sunday school teacher, for opening my heart to eternal life through salvation, the precious lessons you impart. Thank you, cherished teacher, for giving me advice so that I can know the Lord and be with him in paradise. Okay, so we're going to do something for our Sunday school teachers up there today. Now, I'm going to have you all gather around me, and this is a step we're going to do down here. Sometimes the folks down here may hear us when we get up there, but you all know our prayer. So we're going to say our prayer down here. So you'll have to do this if you can't. And I'm not going to say it. You guys can say it. Really loud. Good morning, dear Jesus. This day is for you, and I ask you to bless all I think, pray, and do. And that, amen. That's Zoe's prayer. You may go upstairs now.
Would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, how wonderful it is to gather with these group of people to sing, to sing about our soul and how great it is that we, we entrust it, we lay it, we turn it over just to you, and you take such good care of us. Thank you for loving us. This time we bring our tithes and our offerings. They may be few or they may be great, but please bless them. Bless the giver. Bless those who are not here with us to worship. Um, let them know and feel your presence as they go throughout their day. In your name we pray. Amen. This 
for one like me. And there's quite enough hope and quite enough power to chase away any gloom. For Jesus, Lord Jesus, Thank you, Rick. How beautiful that is. And I really kind of feel feel bad because the spirit in this place is so good and so uh, so reverent. And now it's my turn. <laughs> um, and I'm going to start out in a kind of a frivolous way, like I do a lot of times there, by, by calling to your attention to the fact that a lot of you have probably seen that that movie that Will Ferrell starred in a few years ago called Talladega Nights. You seen that? Some of you seen that movie, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. And in this movie, uh, Will Ferrell plays the role of Ricky Bobby, who is a dim-witted uh, daredevil, who is also the most successful driver on the NASCAR circuit. 
And in typical Will Ferrell fashion, Ricky Bobby is morally and ethically bankrupt. And it seems that the only things that really matter to Ricky Bobby are winning races and self-indulgence. However, Ricky does have a religious side and even prays when it suits him. And there's this one scene, it's, it's a great scene. I thought about playing the scene here, but I'm just going to tell you about it today. In this scene, Ricky Bobby is saying grace before a meal. And he prays, dear tiny infant Jesus. And all through the prayer, he continues to address Jesus as the Lord baby Jesus, tiny little infant Jesus, itty bitty little Lord Jesus. And so finally his wife decides to interrupt him as he prays to the Lord baby Jesus. And she says, hey, sweetie, Jesus did grow up, you know. You don't always have to call him baby. And in fact, it's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. To which Ricky replies, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best. And I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to the grown-up Jesus or the teenage Jesus or the bearded Jesus or whoever you want to. It's a bizarre little scene. But I think it may be quite revealing as well. You see, I suspect that a lot of us would prefer to keep Jesus as a baby. Many of us would agree with Ricky Bobby that the Christmas Jesus is the best Jesus. And the reason why is that the Christmas Jesus is not a threat to our views of the world. And the Christmas Jesus is not a threat to our self-serving views of, about faith. You see, the Christmas Jesus is soft and huggable. And he doesn't say things to us like, take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say things to us like, deny yourselves. It is a vision of a Jesus who never challenges us, or never provokes us, and never paints a picture of what we can yet be. But it's interesting that the, from the very beginning in the Gospel of Mark, Mark gives us a picture of the grown-up Jesus. You see, Mark never even mentions the birth of Jesus. Instead, he begins with Jesus' baptism at the hand of John the Baptist. And, and then Mark tells us that after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, this is very significant because John, the forerunner, had done his job, which was to prepare for the people for the coming of the Messiah. And now his work was done and Jesus' work was beginning. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's begin with that phrase, the kingdom of God has come near. I believe that that is a message that our generation needs to hear. The reign of God in human life is here. It is here. 
We can no longer act as if God doesn't matter in the world. We can no longer act as if justice and righteousness are irrelevant in our society. And we can no longer act as if life has no meaning and that there is no hope for us. You see, the kingdom of God is nearer now than it has ever been before. Here's something for you to think about. Did you know that some scientists are saying that we as a society, as a world, we are on the cusp of some changes in our world that over the next three decades will render our world unrecognizable to earlier generations. For example, advances in medicine and technology, particularly particularly, uh, computers and robotics, may produce a world in which human life is extended for hundreds of years maybe. These scientists are saying that that many of the limitations of our physical bodies may eventually be eliminated altogether. Here's an example for you. Just last summer, did you see the opening kick of the World Cup? Did anybody see that, the opening kick of the World Cup? It was delivered by a man who is a paraplegic. He's paralyzed from the waist down. So how does that happen? How does it happen that a man who is paralyzed from the waist down runs up and kicks the ball to to open this great worldwide competition? Well, here it is. It's because he was wearing a a contraption. It's called an exoskeleton. And it it allowed him to move his legs. But here's what's really impressive about this. This was not a... Well, it's, it's mechanical, but it's not just totally robotics here, this exoskeleton was operated by his thoughts, by his brain. Mentally, he thought the idea, and he thought mentally telling his legs to move, and they moved. Isn't that amazing? And thanks to this new technology, this man's legs operated almost as if he had been healed. And doctors tell us that in the not-too-distant future, thanks to advances in medicine and technology, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the lame will walk. Now you may say, what does that have to do with the kingdom of God? Advances in science are works of human beings, not God. But who's to say that God doesn't work through people? Who's to say, who says that God doesn't work through scientists and software engineers as well as doctors and teachers and and common laborers? I personally believe that God does work that way. Who's to say that the kingdom of God is not right here, right now? I kind of think it is. The Reverend Martin Singley shares some thoughts about the kingdom of God in a sermon that he preached. He said, I used to believe that heaven was a place to go when you die. Before I read the newspapers and before I moved to the Bible Belt and before I met Dan. He said Dan was 19 or 20 years old, a brilliant athlete who went off to college on an athletic scholarship, a great intellect. He had a bright future. And then one day... Dan came home from college for, for vacation and got together with some of his old high school buddies. They popped a few beers and told a few jokes. 
And about midnight, they decided to go swimming in the town pool. Dan was the first to dive in. But in the darkness, he couldn't see that there wasn't any water in the pool. And in that instant, Dan's life was changed forever. He said, when I met him, he was a bitter, distraught, wheelchair-bound, quadriplegic, struggling to make it through each day. On the one hand, he was afraid that he might die. And on the other hand, he was afraid that he might live like that forever. He said, Dan's tragic circumstances made me rethink my views about heaven. You see, it's all well and good that someday when Dan dies, he can experience the freedom and new life of heaven. That's wonderful. And what a beautiful day that will be. But what about now? You see, Dan does not only need heaven tomorrow. Dan needs a little bit of heaven right now. And when I understood this, he said, for the first time I heard the gospel of Jesus in a different light. And you know, I believe that Pastor Singley is right. Dan needs the kingdom of heaven in his life Today, Dan needs to know that God cares about him in an intimate and personal way today. He also needs to know that God is at work through dedicated men and women who are working to reverse his situation. And somebody needs to tell him that miracles are happening every day and he should not give up hope. And he needs to know that above everything else, that by the power of God, his life can still have meaning today. The kingdom of God is near to those who will hear Christ's message and believe that message. Indeed, the kingdom of God is not just here. It is now. It is now. Contrary to the teachings of a lot of people out there, Christianity is not a religion that is primarily concerned with life and death, with life after death, rather. No. Christianity is more concerned with life here and now. And so its message is not so much about dying and where we go after we die as it is about living and how we live here. And it is not nearly as concerned about the last days as it is with this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in today. The late Paul Harvey once told a story about an executive from Kilgore, Texas. It seems he did a lot of traveling, a lot of work, uh, and he traveled back and forth in, in England and he was constantly going back and forth to, uh, to Great Britain. And he loved the, the British culture so much that he imported a British secretary. Well, once when the, this executive was on a trip to, to England, his office in Texas received a telephone call. And his secretary told the caller, Oh, Mr. So-and-so, apparently you haven't heard. Mr. Allen has gone to the United Kingdom. And the caller said, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Terribly sorry. Is it too late to send flowers? (laughs) 
he kind of got his kingdoms mixed up. <laughs> well, the United Kingdom, of course, is another name for Great Britain, but there are many people who think that when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, he was talking about heaven. But folks, I got news for you. He's not. He was not. He was talking about the kingdom of here and now. On one occasion, he told us not to worry about tomorrow. It is today that really matters. And he told us that the kingdom is in our midst, right in the middle of us. So don't put off your living until tomorrow. Experience God's love in your life now. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so here we have, we see the two ingredients which are necessary to experience this kingdom. And the first one is repentance. My friends, if you are not experiencing the kingdom of God in your life, then maybe you need to ask yourself if there's something unhealthy in your life that you need to do something about. The Bible is very clear. Your soul is not big enough for God and sin. One of them, one of them has to go. Famous journalist Malcolm Muggeridge tells a story on himself from his, or in his autobiography. And he tells us that he was faithful to his wife all throughout their marriage. But in the back of his mind, he knew that if the right opportunity ever presented itself, he would break his vow of faithfulness to his wife just for the experience of it. And that opportunity presented itself in India where he had been invited to teach far away from his wife, far away from his family. You see, early each morning, he would take a swim in the Ganges River, and on one particular occasion, he saw a woman a distance away bathing herself in the river, and he knew that this was the moment. What could it hurt, he thought? Who will know? And as he began to swim upstream to, to her where she was, he struggled not just against the current, but also against his conscience. Malcolm, a voice inside him, said, don't do it. But then another voice said, this is your chance. It's now or never. He continued to swim toward her, staying underneath the water until he was only a few feet away. But when he surfaced, it was he and not she who experienced the shock of a lifetime. You see, he came up out of the water and looked into the eyes of a woman who was a leper. Her nose was eaten away. There were sores and blotches all over her skin. The ends of her fingers were gone. And immediately he thought, what a wretched woman she is. But almost at the same moment, he was overwhelmed with another truth. What a wretched man I am. Patrick Morley, 
in his book titled I Surrender, writes that many of us have the wrong idea that we can somehow add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. It is a change in belief without a change in behavior, he says. It's a, it is revival without reformation, without repentance. It is an illusion. It can't be done. Again, there is not enough room in our souls for both God and sin. And so the first requirement to experiencing the kingdom of God is to repent. And the second is to believe the good news. And what is the good news? Well, here it is. God so loved the world that God gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will never perish but have everlasting life. Now, everlasting life does not begin in some time in the future. No. It begins the moment you give your heart over to God. It is then and only then that your guilt and your fear and your anger and a host of negative emotions and thoughts can be washed away. And that is the moment that you begin to live in the kingdom of God. I want to tell you a true story, but a story that I think can be a parable about the kingdom. It's about a young woman named Eleanor Sass. It's not really about her. Eleanor kind of tells this story. When Eleanor was a child, she was in the hospital with appendicitis. She had an operation to remove her appendix. And her roommate was a young girl named Molly who was injured when an automobile struck her as she rode her bicycle. Both of Molly's legs were badly broken, and, and though the doctors performed several surgeries, Molly faced the strong possibility that she would never walk again. And quite naturally, Molly became depressed. And her depression caused her to become uncooperative, and she cried a lot, and, and she only seemed to perk up when the morning mail arrived, and and, and, and people were sending her cards and letters and, and gifts. And most of the gifts that she got were things like books and games and stuffed animals, things that are all appropriate gifts for a child that is in the hospital and, and confined to a bed. But then one day a different sort of gift arrived. This one came from, from one of her aunts who lived far away. And when Molly opened the package, she found a pair of Shiny new black patent leather shoes. Well, the nurses in the room mumbled something about people who don't use their heads. <laughs> but Molly didn't seem to hear that. She was too busy putting her hands into the shoes and walking them up and down her blanket. And from that day on, her attitude changed, made a 180. And she began cooperating with the nursing staff. And soon she was participating in the therapy that, was she, that she was receiving. And, and one day Eleanor heard that her friend had left the hospital. And the best news of all, she walked out wearing those shiny new black patent leather shoes. So what happened to Molly? that allowed her to walk out of that hospital toward a new life. Well, here it is, folks. 
those new shoes gave her hope. They became a source of strength for her and a, and a, chain, a source of a change of attitude that affected her emotionally, but not only emotionally, also physically. And here's the thing, and here's the thing folks. Repenting of our sins and believing the good news of God can have that same kind of effect on our lives today. And so we can experience God's kingdom in our lives right here and right now. We don't have to wait for the sweet by and by. It's here. And we can experience it. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Are you ready to experience the kingdom of God? Well, ready or not, it is here. And it is here for you if you want it. Just repent and believe in the good news of God. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 411, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And it is indeed so sweet to trust in Jesus. It is that belief and that commitment and that changed life that makes our lives worthwhile, that gives us the hope that we need, sometimes just to put one step in front of, another, in front of the other. And it's wonderful for us to have that. I hope you realize that and that this is a song from your heart that it is indeed sweet to trust in Jesus.
We have come to worship together. Now we go to serve. We have been given the light of God, and now we go to let that light shine. We have been blessed with God's love, and now we go to share that love. You are Christ's disciples. Go now to witness to all in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks.